Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. From NJ.com and the Star Ledger, welcome to the Rutgers Rant, your one-stop podcast for the Scarlet Knights. With your host, Steve Politi and Rutgers Insiders, Keith Sargent and James Cratch. Let's start shopping. Hello, everybody. Steve Politi from NJ Advance Media. Welcome back to the Rutgers Rant. Welcome back to college football, fellas. I mean, I, I don't know. I, it, it seems like we've been waiting for this moment. For We have been waiting for this moment for, for more than two years now where we can actually get inside a football stadium with college football fans, which with all the stuff that makes college football great, is going to be back again. Piscataway, Thursday night. Granted, the opponent's not great, Temple. Uh, but, you know, this is, this is the game that we expected to have with Greg Schiano's first, you know, at walking back into that stadium as head coach. We didn't have that last year. We're going to get it this year. Keith Sargent, James Cratch, as always, welcome back. Uh, tell but, me this. Uh, Steve, Steve are, are, are they're, they're allowing you back into the stadium? I didn't know they're, they were actually allowing you back into the stadium. I, I, have, I, th- I hope so. I, I, I don't know. It's a good point. Have you, have you, have you, talked, you, have you talked to Greg lately? I don't know. I mean, oh my you know, gosh, that's haven't great been list. around much during uh, training camp. Wow. So. You took a shot at me right away. Jeez, I went well, there once. That was good. Trying to call, call what it is. Right. So, this, you know. That's fair. All right. Cratch, you got anything you want to fire back? Welcome back. Welcome back, Steve. Welcome back. Yeah, go on vacation. This is what I get. This is what I get. Thanks. No, Um, welcome back. It's, uh, it's, uh, it feels like this game has kind of like come up on us on one hand and the other. I feel like we've literally been December 4th, 2019. We've been building up to this game, even though they already played nine games last year. It really is. Yeah. And, uh, and this is funny. It's funny. Yeah. And I was thinking about this, guys. And, 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 you know, last year, I honestly, didn't know what to expect before the season opener. He didn't know what COVID was going to do to the, the practice thing. He didn't know what the roster really was going to look like. He didn't know what Noah Vedro was going to be. He didn't know anything. This year, you know, when I saw the two deep, uh, you look at the depth chart, you think, all right, well, this is, this is pretty much what I expected. I mean, I, you know, I know what to expect from the offense with Sean Gleason. I know what the defense is going to look like with Greg Shiano. And I know what the Vedro is going to be to a large degree. You know, the two of you have been there every day. What is going to surprise me on Thursday? I'll start. Go ahead. Um, yeah, I, I, I think the playmakers. You know, you know we, we spent a good portion of this podcast over the last couple of years talking, like bemoaning, you know, where are the Kenny Britt uh, type guys and, you know, Tyquan Underwood, who's now a coach. Um, you know, I think they're going to be a lot more impressed by – you know, the, the, the pass catchers, the guy, the wide receivers. And we, we saw a glimpse of it a, a year ago, Noah Vedral, you know, spread the ball around, all, uh, you know, uh, you know, good, good amount. But I think guys like Isaiah Washington, um, you know, Shameen Jones, he had, had a tremendous camp. Bo, Bo Melton, um, you know, uh, it looks poised to, to, to break out and, and become one of the, the, the uh, premier Big Ten wide receivers. Um, Isaiah Washington, we saw him during the spring game and he really built on it during, during training camp. Um, you know, Brandon Sanders, another guy, you know, you know, Cratchit, you know, that's his favorite player, Cratchit, you know, every single day <laughs> raved about that kid. He, he's an ideal Cratch uh, player because he has a great story, played in the Patriot League, dominated the Patriot League, came up. And, you know, he's going to be like the, the, you know, the guy that a lot of people are, uh, you know, uh, will be curious about whether or not he can actually build on that and, 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 and play in, at, at the Big Ten level. I think he can just based on what I saw during training camp. So that's going to be the thing that, that, that to me stands out. I think there's just a number of, 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 of dynamic playmakers they have on this offense. Cratch, you want to take that one? Yeah, I think that, you know, to piggyback on what Sarge said, for the first time going into a season, I look at the Rutgers roster, especially on offense with the playmakers, and I say to myself, there's not enough touches to go around for all these guys. Like, there are going to be big-name players who I think kind of fade to the background a little bit on this offense. You know, I mean, the preview something I'm going to write later in the week. If Johnny Langan doesn't have a fast start to this season, I, and no, as long as Noah Vedral stays healthy – 
I don't really necessarily know what Johnny Langan's role is in the offense. He's not on the depth chart, which wasn't a surprise because they've already made it clear he's going to do multiple positions. But at the same time, he's not on the depth chart. So if he's not throwing the ball in his short yardage package and, and, and loosening a defense up, if it's a repeat of last year where basically he, he'd come in on fourth and one and everyone knew what was happening and it would get stuffed at the line, if he doesn't emerge at tight end – I don't know where he gets those touches. A guy like Aaron Young, he's a perfect prototypical Sean Gleason offensive player that he can do so many things well. But if he doesn't produce, I don't know where he – how is he going to take those touches away from Isaiah Pacheco, from Crookshank, from Melton, from Shimmy Jones. So that's what I think is going to be kind of surprising. Is that there are going to be guys who are, have been much hyped and, and were big recruits at Rutgers landed that – they might just not have a job, not because they're not, you know, something they're doing wrong. It's just because if you don't produce, it's only so many games, only so many snaps. You kind of got to have to ride the hot hand. I think Langan is going to be the uh, break, break glass in case of emergency. They're going to use him, you know, you know, if Pacheco's not not rolling or if, if the, the the true run game's not not rolling, they're going to try to use him to make you know second down uh, more more manageable. Um, you know, and we saw like you know last year. I, I agree with you. You know, I was curious that he wasn't on the, on the depth chart somewhere. But, you know, you know, you have to keep in mind, you know, last year against Nebraska, you know, seven minutes to go in a game, who do they bring out? Because, you know, he's a guy who they trusted, you know, that, that they brought in Johnny Langan to try to win that game. He's a guy that they trust. I can't see that they're just going to abandon Johnny Langan at this point. Yeah, I got to feel like the first time there's a, there's a third and one, that, you know, in a situation you're going to see him out there, at least early on in the season against teams where they have a, better, have a physical advantage. Um, all right, so that's the good news, and I agree with you totally. You know, now there's, there's a bunch of playmakers you're interested in seeing finally in this program. They've upgraded that level of talent, and it's happened pretty quickly. Uh, you've been there every day at camp. You know, if there's something you're heading into this where you're a little bit shaky about or you're concerned, I mean, what is what is the flip side of that coin? What is the thing that you are, if you're Greg Schiano, that you're waking up, you know, Thursday morning at 3 a.m. worried about? Go ahead. Go ahead, Sarge. Um. I, I, I'm still, I, I got, I got to say, you know, just from a, a, you know, quarterback uh, perspective, I don't, you know, I, I have to see it again from, from, from Noah Vedral, uh, you know, everyone says that he, you know, that, that, that he's ma- made some, uh, you know, pretty big strides that, you know, he and, and Sean Gleason are on the same page. I still need to see it. Um, and what, you know, from a vertical, you know, passing game, really, I mean, yeah. You know, they're going to need they you know the idea that they're just going to have these 11 12 you know 15 play drives just isn't sustainable something uh invariably goes wrong you know they, they have to get more vertical you know in this offense and we haven't seen uh, Noah Vedral uh be that yet so that's probably the, the the one thing and then look I mean you know the back of quarterback thing you know has been a hot topic all, all training camp you know in, in in some in some ways it's probably a good thing that like when when you know one of their biggest issues on offense is the backup quarterback but yeah. that being said quarterbacks get hurt Noah Vedral has a history of being hurt still you know that, that that's an unknown um you know I I, I until I, until I see I, I just you know I'm a little skeptical about it Craig how did you how did you leave camp feeling about Vedral about the same way I kind of came in, I think Noah is a – look, he's the best quarterback Rutgers has on the roster by far, and he had the best season a Rutgers quarterback has had in quite some time last season. But there's a there's a limit. I think there's a ceiling to what he can do. And, I, you know, I think the biggest thing, I, I didn't see suddenly stronger arm on him, which I think is going to be a problem for Rutgers. I don't – you know, Sean Gleason said it on BTN the other day. They've got to get the ball downfield more. I look at – Vedral's skill set. I look at the offensive line, which I still think is potentially a weak spot that they're going to have to mask. I don't really see them dropping back and throwing it downfield, which is a shame for Rutgers because with guys like Isaiah Washington, Melton, Crookshank, they finally have home run hitters who can stretch the field vertically. I don't think they're going to do that. Another area of concern for me, the defensive line, I think Julius Turner, uh, Maya Nahanatu had a really good camp, Mike Tverdoff, CJ Nyechi, Muhammad Ture, they've got really good frontline guys on the defensive line, I don't think the depth behind those guys is necessarily there yet. You know, Ifan Maja, the Temple transfer, he was dinged up. We'll see what he can do. But I just don't know if they've got a really deep rotation.
rotation up front, which is going to be a problem because their run defense last year was very poor, and it cost them two games. They lost Illinois, and they lost Michigan because of that run defense collapsing in the second half. So those are two areas where I'm really concerned about. The other you know, thing, I think the special teams are, are pretty solid. I think the secondary, now that Patrice Renee is out for whoever knows how long, that cornerback room is nowhere near as deep as we thought it was going to be going into camp. Now that Braswell's out for the season, Renee's out for you know at least this week. Avery Young's at safety, so yeah, I think there there is they the talent is better on the two deep, but I don't know if it's Big Ten caliber across the board. And I think there are some areas, especially in the trenches, where you really got to question the depth. I wrote it. Yeah, I. I wrote about the six-year seniors, just the amount of, you know, veteran guys that they had. And, you know, and, and you know, look, they, they lead the Big Ten in, you know, in the amount of six-year seniors. They have, you know, a lot of super seniors as well, fifth-year guys as well. Uh, Cratch is right. Two deep is the best they've had. This is the best Rutgers two deep um, they, they've had in, you know, a decade probably. That being said, as I talked to Jerry DiNardo, and he pointed out Phil Steele, he pointed it out as well. Everyone in the Big Ten, everyone across the country. Phil Steele told me that he spoke with 20, uh, 50 different coaches around the country, and they all said, you know, this is the best two deep we've ever had. You know, we're actually going like three deep. Our three deep is, you know, you know, is pretty strong. You know, so how does that work out? You know, when, when, when we have so many guys back, you know, in college football. Yeah. Now look, on, you know, on, uh, the good news is this might be like the m- most – eye-popping, you know, most playmakers. This might, you know, someone pointed this out that, you know, the Big Ten baseball season, you know, had the best pitching depth they've ever had with all the guys because the MLB draft was, was, was so shortened and you had all those guys back. It was the best Big Ten baseball season they've ever, uh, they've ever experienced. We might be seeing the best Big Ten football, college football season in a long time. Wow, that 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 that's a great point. It's exciting to think about. And just looking at depth, I mean, when, when and I knew you knew linebackers were a position of strength, but when when, when you look at the depth chart, you, you see some of these guys they have coming back. I can't help but believe that the run defense just has to be better. I mean, am I am I am I wrong to think that when you've got that level of depth at one of the more important positions in the field? I mean, they, you know, they've got some talented dudes there cratch i mean do you you think that this is where we see that becoming less of a liability finally it has to be if they're gonna if they're gonna win more games if they're gonna be a bowl team and i just you know mike Dwumfor was a really good defensive tackle, yes. and you know, you're Usually asking, one guy you lost though right the one, the one guy. guy you lost yeah you know i mean you know the linebacking core i mean you know is everyone going to stay healthy? I think that's a big question. You know, I mean, you know, you're asking, you know, are guys, you know, Mike Tverdoff was the best defensive lineman they had for the last couple of weeks last season. Is that going to carry over? You know, is Julius Turner now that the whole league has had a year to realize what he is capable of as a tilted nose, are they going to start game planning and taking him yeah. out? Yeah. You know, so I think that's, that's the big question you have to ask about this team. Look, they've got a lot going for them. A lot of returning talent, stable coaching staff, the, you know, it's a, like every time we go to practice, like one or two more analysts pop up you know yeah. so like they've got more manpower than they ever had before but that being said that's just that's something that it and Shiano kind of said this at Big Ten Media Days about the offensive line I think it applies to defensive line you don't do that overnight in the Big Ten that's a program thing that you're going to need four five six seven years to develop Chris Ash five-year plan you know seven five, year five six seven eight <laughs> yep we're still hey we're still like we're still like year year three of that guys the yeah, I think we are, yeah. is still, we're only year three. Oh god how that so early too early in the podcast for chris and joke. all right uh i do want to dive in we're going to talk go back to talk about temple talk about the season we'll give our previews our picks everything but i i really want to dive into something that i thought was uh unprecedented and and sort of remarkable Cratch, you went to Kentucky uh, this month. Um, you know, and I, I was thinking about it, Sarge, and you probably have a better grasp of the historical nature of this than I do, but I can't remember a time that, you know, a news gathering organization sent a journalist to another state to write about a player not currently on the roster. I went, I remember I went to like Governor New York once to do a feature on Brian Leonard when he was 
you know, the hot thing. And and that was, you know, said six hours away, Governor New York. Um, and we've gone to different places to write about guys currently on this on the team. Have we ever has anybody ever sent a reporter to another state to write about a recruit? Before we before we hype up Cratchit's story, which is incredible. Like, did you get that bottle, that gift bottle of bourbon? I I, I I've been looking in my mailbox, you know, all, all you know, for the last couple of weeks, and yeah, I'm, I see him every day. Great point. Did you, you know, get that bottle, that, that Kentucky bourbon? Uh, you know, I mean, I you, didn't, you were down there for three days. You did you could you at least did you at least stop at a distillery? I mean, nothing at all. Maybe we're, gonna, maybe we're gonna get it on Thursday night. Is that where we're gonna get it? I drove past the distillery. Yeah, that's it. You didn't. You didn't. Hey, it was it was them? a dry trip for me, man. It was it was it was wall to wall reporting all day every day. Jeez, if they sent me on that one, holy cow. I can tell you, you would have come back with a bottle of bourbon. You might not have come back with the story, but you would come back with a bottle of bourbon. All right, so tell us about this trip, Cratch. What did you see? That, what did you see down there? What did you come away with? What were your takeaways about Gavin Wimsat and the entire scene? You know, it's uh, first off, a really polite, great kid. Everyone raved about him. Uh, family was lovely. I got to meet them. Uh, you know, it, what fascinated me about it was that he is such a big deal in that town. And to kind of sum up, I described it in the story. Uh, Owensboro is a little bit like it's about the size of Piscataway. It's right on the banks of the Ohio River. So a quick, there's a bridge. It's called the Blue Bridge. Uh, you drive across it, and you're in Indiana. Um, I think it's the 105th biggest media market in the country. So obviously, he's going from 105 to one. But just a, a blue uh, blue collar town, uh, fascinating little uh, stadium, Rash Stadium. It's it's basically a concrete bandbox. I think they like 1940. They renovated it with New Deal money, put down some concrete. It's been pretty much the same way since. But no, and the biggest thing for me, I think that you know, Rutgers fans want to hear about. Obviously, you can read my story with all the stuff about his life and all the, the facts we learned about his hometown and him. Is that he is the real deal. I mean, he made throws against St. Xavier from Louisville, which is one of the better teams in Kentucky. I, I would say they're not – I just want to make it clear, like, they're not the St. X from Cincinnati that, like, Bergen Catholic and Bosco would play, but, but they're very good. They've won, I think, 14 state titles in Kentucky. He made throws that I've never seen any Rutgers quarterback make. Um, wow. I would say arm talent-wise, he would be the most talented quarterback in Piscataway if he was a freshman right now. Would he start I, if he were a freshman right now? I think so. Yeah, like going down to the trip, I was pretty convinced that I thought he would pl- he'll play next year, but I thought, okay, you know, it might be a situation where Vegel starts the season and, you know, maybe they kind of turn to him by midseason, you know, after clearing. I would not be surprised if he's a starter from day one next year. You know, I think he's a little raw. You know, I think that he's, he's a guy who definitely will, once he gets here in January and rolls early, he's a guy I think, you know, will, will make big leaps once Sean Gleason, you know, kind of gets his hands on him. But he made some throws. And, you know, another thing, too, is that he, he can run, but he's not a running quarterback. But he can certainly extend plays in the pocket, which is something I think Rutgers has struggled, you know, especially with their offensive line issues in recent years. So, now he's the real deal. I mean, he made some un- Unbelievable throws. Gutty kid, too. I mean, his team was down, you know, 17-0, and he brought them all the way back and almost took the lead right before the end of the first half. So, you know, he's a guy who can make things happen, convert fourth downs, make big throws, force throws in the tight windows, big arms. So, yeah, I think he's he's the real deal. And um, there definitely is a pers- – like, you know, there's a lot of Kentucky fans down there, and they definitely feel like they lost something. So are I, they are they bitter about it? I mean, when you, oh yeah, I mean, kid... I mean, the way it was explained to me was I think like it's like seventy five percent of the people after the initial shock. I mean, there were even people close to Gavin who were like, we're like Rutgers, like what what are we doing? But you know, like um, but no, I think once they got to pass that initial shock, I think it's been all support for him. I think there's there's a pretty nasty you know faction of Kentucky fans on social media, but you know to his credit, he just kind of ignores that. He doesn't care. I mean, he, honestly, he is the guy comforting his family, his friends, Bella. Hey, don't worry about this, you know, vitriol on social media. So, you know, he's all in. I think that he is, he's a guy who, you know, it's, it's hard to say when a kid's in high school, if he gets here and lives up to his potential, he is the program changing quarterback that Greg Schiano needs to take Rutgers where he wants to take it. 
It's a fascinating story. If you haven't read it yet, folks, go, go online, find it, Google Gavin Winsat, NGA.com, you'll, you'll come up with it. Uh, and just, you know, to me, again, uh, it, unprecedented recruiting coup, but also just, you know, for this kid to come in with that kind of pressure, uh, it seems like he's got the head on his shoulders based on anything we've seen. So uh, it's the future's bright kind of deal uh, when they get that kid on campus, if they get that kid on campus, of course, because he has not signed yet. And that's going to be a true or false question. Can we dive into true or false, guys? Let's do it. Let's go right into it. it. All right. True or false. I got a meaty one for you. I I think I got eight or nine really good ones. You know the rules. We'll have lots to discuss when this is over. True or false. The most dangerous non-conference game is this one. Temple. Sarge. True or false? False. Cratch? False. All right. I agree with you on that. False. True or false. The most dangerous non-conference game is the next one at Syracuse. Sorry, true. true or false? True. True. Cratch, true or false? True. All right. Well, uh, you know where I'm going with this. I see false on Syracuse. The most dangerous non-conference game is Delaware. One double A nightmare. I say that is the one. That is true. Both of you guys say false on that, obviously. Correct. False. All right. We'll come back and discuss that one. I think Delaware is a scarier game. True or false? Relax, Rutgers fans. There is a 0% chance that Gavin Wimsat decommits before signing day. Cratch, true or false? You were there. I will say true. All right. Sarge? I'll trust my, my colleague. True. You know, I'm going to only gonna say, only gonna say false because there's never a 0% chance something could always happen. So we'll go false for that now. Uh, true or false, guys? Peyton Powell who left the program and announced he will not be taking the COVID vaccine, vaccine will land at a Power 5 program. Sorry, it's true or false? Um, true. Okay, Cratch? I'll say false. Yeah, I say false, too. He will be Liberty's starting free safety this year. Okay, uh, <laughs> true or false? It isn't the season opener before Labor Day without a hot tub. Sorry, true or false? We need a hot tub for this truly to be the to be the game we want it to be. You got to give some context to that because that was a long time ago. But that was it a long true. time ago? How long ago was it? It feels, it feels like it was a long time. Can you ago. imagine now? It's cra- that Cratch, is a true. tremendous true or false. True or false, Scratch? Can you have this game without a hot tub? <sighs> false. False. Yeah, yeah I got to go false. I guess now. I mean, can you imagine that we used to before COVID? Not even thinking about it now uh, with COVID nineteen, you used to have, we put like random students in a hot tub in the stadium, and it was it was kind of a cool. That place. was a thing for it was for thing. two years in a row. Yep. True okay. or false? Illinois Art Sikowski. This is now the most anticipated game on the schedule. Sarge, true or false? True. And can we just get a commitment right now that you're going to be there? <laughs> Can we get that commitment? Uh, Our loyal listeners, uh, they'll they'll remember this. We'll save the tape. Can we get a commitment? Gosh, there's no such thing. We'll be with Crash and I. I, Yeah. Oh, man. That's a false. Um, Crash, true or false? Most important game, most anticipated game of the schedule now. As long as Art, you know, is the quarterback, true. I mean, it's when he committed, you had to, like, you had to know this. It was coming this way. I I figured it might happen, like, you know, it might be like a a week of thing, but like the stars, it just feels like, like what we've done, we've dealt with a lot of kismet stuff on this beat in recent years. You know, like it felt like the stars would align and Shiana would come back. Uh, I feel like the stars are going to align and we are going to get, Art versus Rutgers in Champaign, Illinois. All right, we'll talk about that one in a minute. The final true or false. True or false. This has been a hot topic, and I know where one of you stands on I don't know where the other one stands. True or false. The alliance is good for the Big Ten. Cratch? False. Sarge? False. All right, I'm going to say, believe it or not, I'm going to say true. I'm going to explain why. Let's go right into, that's the last one. Let's go right into the discussions. All right, here's, here's, my, here's, here's the alliance thing for me, guys. Uh, and I agree. I wrote that they should have gone, Big Ten should have gone big. They should have struck with, you know, forget shaking hands and buddy buddies with, you know, the Pac-10 and, and, and the ACC. They should have been aggressive. They should have done what the SEC did. I get it. But now that they haven't, you know, my take on the idea is really simple. It is just better to play a Pac-10 team or, or an ACC team on the schedule than another Illinois, another Northwestern games you've seen. It's just more interesting. Do they need an alliance? Do they need a, a press conference for the, the you know, well, nothing in writing, by the way? Do they need to have this big, you know. I mean, no, but, it, but the ultimate takeaway is that. You know, power five and like, you know, each other. I mean. I, I you, totally you, you, agree. You, your totally first agree. point, your first point was 
Correct. I mean, you know, be 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 be, be a shark and 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 go get USC. Go 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 raid the Pac-12 instead of you know you know getting into bed with them. Right. Well, I guess so. so short of that, right? I'm like again, I'm on that I'm on that side of history. Cratch. I just I just look at it now. Take what you got. All right. So you got eight. You still get two crossover games against the the Big Ten West, and instead of getting another Purdue, you have a shot at. You have a shot at Oregon. You have a shot at uh, Florida State, Miami, North Carolina. Even if it's Duke, at least it's something different, you know. So here, a couple of things. So, like, I'll just start with this. I think that I thought that the perfect microcosm that sums up the Big Ten Kevin Warren era is they have this press conference, which is the biggest waste of time in the history of college sports. And he, Kevin Warren is directly asked. But as part of this alliance and this scheduling pact, are you thinking about going to eight conference games? And he does what he does with every direct question. He says it's a great question, and then he dances around and he won't answer it. And then two days later, George Kliakoff, who's been the Pac-12 commissioner for two months, and America has literally known who the guy is for like two days at this point, is talking to media in Pullman, Washington. And it was like, oh, yeah, like us in the Big Ten, we're going to go to eight conference games. So you have a guy who, like, no one has ever heard of. He's, he's literally standing brand. half a country really away from your office. <laughs> you're like, oh, yeah, they're going to do next year. We're going to do that. Like, what the hell are you doing? That, like, my biggest issue is that the Big Ten is not as powerful as the SEC, but it's very close. The Big Ten had a decision to make. They could try to make this the power to and chase the SEC, or they could – you know, line up with the weak, the weak ones and diminish themselves. And that's what they've chosen to do. And I just don't understand, you know, if, if the Alliance included the big 12, I'd be okay. They're just trying to puff, pump up the big 12 to save the sport. Get that. But they threw the big 12 under the bus. They didn't invite the big 12 to their party, which makes no sense to me. You know, I, I would understand if the, if the big 10 made an Alliance with the PAC 12, but they line with the ACC, which, if they want to talk about all their high, you know, high and mighty, you know, principles of college athletics and education, they've got a lot more in common with the Pac-12 than the ACC. So I just come back to, I assume their TV consultants have told them that they're going to make a little bit more money off of this thing. I don't understand how, because we already have a lot of these marquee non-conference games. It's like, it's not like Ohio State is like, okay, Ohio State, congratulations, you're going to play USC and Clemson every year. Right. Like that's yeah. not going to happen. You know, another thing too is that I know everyone talks about TV, but it's a, I would assume it's a lot easier for Rutgers to put butts in the SHI stadium. If they're playing Illinois, which might have 10,000 alumni in the New York area who want to come to the game rather than Washington state, when they've got like the five guys, the, the five random wazoo grads. In yeah, it, it does nothing for, for the, 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 the lower, Big Ten schools. Does nothing for them. It's all about like you know getting Ohio State to play Oregon and which they are. But they are, and my point is they're they're, but they're not going to play. Clemson has to play South Carolina every year, and and they're still going to want to play Georgia and LSU and out. Like they're not going to get the. And the thing is, if you want USC to play Ohio State every year, and I admit I was not on this side until this happened. If you're going to join the alliance, Steve's 100 percent right. If you want USC to play Ohio State every year, I've got a way that USC will play Ohio State and Michigan and Wisconsin and Penn State every year. Add them to the damn league. <laughs> That's why I just Love don't it. get. It's just like I understand why the ACC and the Pac-12 want the alliance. Crash for They're Big Ten Commission. I love it. Crash. This is it. This is it. I, clearly, oh, you're absolutely, you're absolutely, you're absolutely, you're absolutely right. Like I have seen the light. Can we get, can we get a hashtag on California? Print up some buttons, Sarge. I'm going to wear them at the stadium. I'm going to wear them at the stadium. The last thing I will say, and I'm going to use one of my crazy little you know allergies, metaphors, references. The SEC is laughing at this. Yeah. Like I remember I was watching some documentary about like, you know, when there was WWF and WCW and everything. And I guess WCW was threatening on TV to like invade the WWF show. And Vince McMahon was like, well, if they show up, let them in. Cause what show are you going to watch a show with some of the wrestlers or the show with all of the wrestlers? Yeah. 
And I feel like the SEC is like, we've got all the wrestlers. That's great. great. You guys go play your little alliance and have Duke and Oregon State play at wow. 10 p.m. And we're going to go to 10 conference games and we're going to have Oklahoma, Alabama level game every week. Microphones on fire. Stupidity. On fire. On fire. And Bring eventually Clemson and Florida State are going to join the SEC. Yeah, I can see that. So, happen. like, you know, like if the Big Ten came out and said we're going to start in a lot, you know, and in Notre Dame, it's just as I said, I think I I've seen the light. If you want USC to be on your schedule, just take the four California schools: uh, Oregon, Washington, Utah, Colorado. I think that's eight. Go to twenty-two. Like, who cares? I love it. So you know you missed you missed the sorry you missed the real reason why I'm in favor of the alliance because it's one fewer Big Ten West crossover games which means one fewer chance to go to Illinois. <laughs> All right, let's talk about this really quick. Illinois, I didn't get a chance to watch the game. I was off. You know, obviously Art Art comes in, Art Sikowski comes in off the bench, looks really good. I guess this is where I'm I'm, I'm going to throw some water. All right, on the idea that this is now the most anticipated game on the schedule because. We've seen good art and we've seen bad art. I, I guess you're assuming now that his next game against a better competition is not going to be the game where he's four for 15 with three interceptions. And I'm just saying that, like, I think that's coming. And I think it's going to come long before Rutgers plays Illinois. And I think there's a very good chance that when that game comes, he's back on the bench. Tell me why I'm wrong. Well, I mean, I will say there is, you know, we've seen, you know, multiple different offensive coordinators, multiple different head coaches not pick Art as the starting quarterback. I mean, Chris Ash, you know, you know, chose McLean Carter over Art, you know, you know, in, in Art's second year. You know, last year, you know, Graciano and Sean Gleason chose Vedral over um, Art repeatedly. And then Langan, you know, when, you know when, when, when the game was on the line against Nebraska was, was the guy who said Art. So we've seen – you know, now, you know, obviously, uh, you know, Art didn't win the job at a, at a training camp. You know, Brandon Peters obviously had a lot more experience, but it was a new uh, coaching staff. And, you know, you would think that everyone, you know, kind of started with a fresh start. So we have seen that. That being said, you know, there's just something, maybe when Art gets into a game, there's just something, you know, maybe, you know, there's something that shows up on game day that just doesn't click, you know, dur during practice. Who knows? I will say this, you know, if, Art does continue and, 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 and continue to play and seizes this opportunity at Illinois. It is going to be a storyline all year here at Rutgers because no question. You know, Rutgers fans are inevitably going to be comparing, you know, well, Vedral, you know, once he has a bad game, if Art, you know, throws for 300 yards and Illinois continues to win, which I'm still a little skeptical about, you know, Rutgers fans are going to be irate about it because, you know, this yep. is a Jersey guy who, you know, who they developed and now all of a sudden he's playing for Illinois. I will say this, Cratch, a good chance to respond, but uh, it's an exceedingly fair, I didn't look at Illinois' schedule, which is just right now, exceedingly favorable schedule. Next game is UT TSAA, then Virginia, then Maryland, then at Purdue, then Charlotte before they play a real a decent opponent in Wisconsin on October 9th. So go ahead, Gretch. Well, tell me, give me your give me your Art Sikowski case here. So here's one of the things I think people kind of lose sight of is put Art's horrible freshman season aside. This is what we've seen from Art since then. I, I, I've said it a thousand times, I'll say it again. Chris Ash threw him under the bus in 2019 to start a guy who – they brought him from Texas Tech, who wasn't that good. Because his job was online. He was trying to save his job. He gave the entire 2018 season to try to develop art. I mean, it was rough, but like he, he had the experience. And then Chris realized you know, he was going to get fired because he did such a horrible job with that season. So he brought in McLean Carter, threw art under the bus. Okay, fine. So not counting the Iowa game where art comes in and, and they're down. And, you know, okay, art has the game of his career against Boston College in a game that Chris had, you know, basically needed to win to save his job. He then goes to Michigan, gets the hell knocked out of him. I don't think he turned the ball over that game. Took a beating in the you know, Chris Ash's last stand. Red shirts. Then last season, he starts the Purdue win, throws two touchdown passes in a, in a, in a big road win. He then comes off the bench in Maryland, leads, I think, two game-tying go-ahead drives in the second half. They win that game in overtime. Didn't play very well against Nebraska, but I still go back to the fact that I thought Gleason and Chiano panicked by going to Johnny Langan in that spot. 
you know, it was a, it was a one score game. You know, he, he didn't have a great game, but I, I still don't understand why they thought Johnny Langan was going to throwing the ball down the field was going to win the game for them. Did they panic or they convinced they were, they were going to, he was going to turn the ball over. Probably a little bit of both. Yeah. You know, okay. So, and now he comes off the bench against a big 10 opponent, Nebraska, and he, performs extremely well really great had the running game going too that's a big thing and that's the thing like art is like he's look he's not trevor lawrence like we've established that but he's got tremendous physical skills the kid works harder than you know basically anyone i've ever covered great kid great teammate by all accounts he was getting votes for captain after being like there three weeks brett bielema told me at big 10 media days he's got all these physical skills so if art is on a team that playing within himself with a big offensive line that can protect him and a running game that we've seen it, Illinois can run the ball pretty well. They did it against Nebraska. They've done it against Rutgers for years. Manageable schedule. I is If Brandon Peters is not back, I see no reason why Art cannot be a productive quarterback in that offense, which I think – and I think the – the issue is going to come back to Rutgers is going to be why didn't Sean Gleason, who has been heralded for his ability to take his personnel and build a system that fits them. Why wasn't he able to take arts, physical skiffs and tools and harness them as opposed to sticking with Vedral who might fit more of the no huddle up tempo look. But I think we all can agree does not have the arm strength art has, you know, the last thing I will say about art is yes, art is going to make a mistake, a throw or two that makes you scratch your head. He's going to turn the ball over, but, and I'm not trying to compare the two of them. And that's, and that's the thing that Graciano hates more than, than anything. You can hate more than anything, but that doesn't mean he can't be a productive quarterback. Eli Manning made a stupid throw or two every week that you were like, how the, why did he do that? Ryan Fitzpatrick has been in the NFL for 17 years throwing, right. turning the ball over all the time. So I just think that in this offense, Art is capable. Like, uh, my biggest point is Art has made major strides since he was a freshman. I think people still count that year against him somewhat unfairly. And I think he's proven he can be a productive quarterback in the right offense, playing within it with the right scheme. And I think we're seeing that in Illinois. I think we're going to continue to see that in Illinois. Interesting. All right. Well, we'll see if he's a starter on October 30th. A long way to go until then. All right. Let's. The, the, I want to quickly touch on the uh, uh, the, the – Peyton Powell thing because I just think I don't know <laughs> it's just such a I mean it's it's certainly addition by subtraction if you cannot if you're a player on a college football team and I don't want to pick on him because he's still a young man but he's not he's not a teenager certainly and you look around and you you you, you see that all what 125 other players have gotten this vaccine all of the coaching staffs have gotten this vaccine all of your fellow students are going to do it and you don't do it I mean, it, it, there's a level, there's a level of frustration, and I don't know why he decided to come out. I know he took heat on social media, obviously, for doing so. Uh, but Sarge, I mean, is, is there anything about this besides just shaking your head and, and waving goodbye at this kid? Yeah, I mean, I don't want to get too much into this, into the weeds on again on the masking debate. Obviously, you know, <laughs> but. I will say that I think the kid probably took a little bit too much, uh, too many bullets, you know, on social media for it. Um, he, you know, he just made a statement that like, he's not going to do it. You know, he's entitled to that opinion. Um, and he wasn't, you know, a jerk about it. I've seen other people uh, be a lot, you know, you know, a, a lot more cynical and a lot, you know, uh, nasty about it. Um, yeah. I, I just think that he made a statement. He, you know, he, you know, he, he has his belief, you know, you know, he had COVID, you know, at one point, you know, it wasn't a big deal for him. Many, 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 many other people, including people in my own world, um, have had it and, uh, you know, have had far worse experiences. And, and you know, again, not to get too much into the masking debate, I, but I do think that the kid probably took a little bit too much heat than, than he deserved on social media. Anything to add, Cratch? What do you think? Yeah, I just think it's like, I'm kind of surprised that it took this long for Rutgers to kind of have this you know issue like a prominent you know not it's true 
prominent enough athlete, you know, just because look at society. I mean, this is not just a Peyton Powell thing. This is a, a general society thing. You know, I, I think that the timing was a little weird. I mean, obviously, Rutgers announced its vaccine mandate, I think, in, in March or April. You know, so I, my understanding is I think, you know, I guess once you got close to this point where, you know, um, and Sarge might have more information, but my understanding is that, you know, it got to the point where you either had to be vaccinated, be enrolled, or you had to start the process of applying for exemption to stay enrolled. And I guess once you start that process, I guess it's a little bit like, you know, probation's not the right word, but I guess it's kind of like a, a holding period until they rule one way or the other. But no, I mean, look, and the reason why I said false is that I just think he's a guy who he was committed to Texas. He went to Baylor, and then he was committed to Utah, committed to Rutgers. He's bounced around at the point where I think that if he's going to keep playing college football, I think it's going to have to be at a lower level, a group of five school, uh, especially if he wants to be a quarterback. You know, I think he's a guy who I'm sure there is plenty of you know group of five schools in Texas that would take him and give him a shot at quarterback. But my guess is that if he wants to be at another power five school, he's going to have to go somewhere lower first and work his way back. All right, and finally, I do want it. So you both think that the Syracuse game is a bigger, more dangerous non-conference game than Delaware, which I'm surprised by, but only because, you know, living in my, my world of, of Rutgers history, knowing that Rutgers has lost that game at the similar time in the development of programs to Villanova, to UConn at the time, to just programs that were, you know, at that, lev- at that same level where it was, and it's just such a devastating blow when you lose to, you know, a team in the, uh, uh, that's a level below you. Uh, and I think Delaware's a really good one by all accounts. Uh, tell me why you think Syracuse is, is the more dangerous game. I, I just think that two two reasons. One, I think Syracuse is in year five of you know, their program, and I could co- completely see you know a, you know a loss, and then Graciano afterward justifying it by saying exactly that that you know they're in year five, we're in year two, uh, of, uh, you know developing their program. Two, I know everyone says well Syracuse was awful last year, but again we can't use the same principle that we've talked about you know in past weeks at Michigan and Penn State and all these other you know teams that had uh, down years last year. We're just going to, you know, seemingly, you know, potentially throw throw it out because of COVID. And it was so, so such an unknown. And who knows what Michigan and Penn State were dealing with on a week-to-week basis with all the opt-outs and the COVID issues. If we're just going to throw out, you know, 2020 for some teams, you know, we, we – we can't just throw it out for Syracuse. You know, two years ago, they were five and seven. The year before that, they, you know, they, they were a bowl team, you know. So he had the program going, at, you know, at a, at a seemingly upward um, level before, before a year ago. Again, year five of the program. I just think that, uh, you know, a lot of Rutgers fans are underestimating, you know, going up uh, to, to the Carrier Dome. Syracuse is a one-point favor over Ohio in its opener. Just, I mean, so it's not just Rutgers fans who are underestimating. Vegas the Vegas knows, knows a lot, right? I get. We always say, you know, Vegas, you know, should be running the the, the country. I I completely get yeah. it, but I just think that week one, week one, or you know, okay. it's just going to be an unknown. If if you're, there's ever an opportunity for betters to maybe find find some you know good spots, look, I I, I don't know, you know, I'm sure they're looking at the roster, and I I, I get that point, you know, and I. It look like a complete fool if they lose Ohio, but you know that, that's just you know at this point, yeah, you know, I just think that they're they could be a little bit ahead than Rutgers at this. Just point. saying, there is a situation, Crash, where this team is two and zero, ready to a home game against Delaware with the Big Ten sketch with Michigan looming. I mean, that is the ultimate trap game, which scare the hell out of me. I mean, it's look, it it definitely would be a, a shaky situation. I, I think Delaware's a really good team, obviously, but yeah, I just think going up to the Carry Dome, I think Syracuse might be a little bit better than they're getting credit for. You know, I think another thing that I think kind of plays into that is it's a weird situation for that coaching staff. You know, there's a lot of belief that Syracuse doesn't have the money to fire Dino Babers after this season, but at the same time, too, it sort of feels a lot like that 2019 Boston College Rutgers game where it's like if he wants to be the coach here for longer than, you know, a year or two, he probably should beat Rutgers. So I think that's a game that, you know, they might kind of really need and maybe, you know, the, the desperate team hangs, you know, does something, you know, and punches above its weight there. 
All right, great job on true or false, guys. Let's jump in, jump into our Rutgers Insider questions. A, a nice little uptick in the number of subscribers this week. I think people are getting ready for the season. I think when you see our commitment to traveling to Kentucky like Cratch did for Wimstat, uh, it's great. So uh, as always, please subscribe, and we'll ask if you do subscribe to our texting service. We will ask for questions before each podcast this year, uh, and and answer as many as we possibly can. Uh, the first one was directed at me from Mike Terzano and Jackson. It wanted to know if we, if I could come up with six wins on the schedule for a bowl invite. Uh, I'm going to throw it out to both of you guys as well. I mean, I, certainly I can come up with them. <laughs> like I'm not, I, I don't know if they're going to get them, but I mean, I think you off the off the top, you, you got to win for this to be a discussion. You got to win the three non cons. Uh, I think that uh, Maryland is is one that you got to win. And then you start looking at, you know, Illinois looks better than we probably thought they would be. So that, that's, that's one. Northwestern might be a little worse than we think they are. I mean, what do you guys think? If, can they get to the six wins for the bowl? And uh, if so, after the, after the obvious games, which are the ones that they are most likely to get? Go ahead, Kratz, you take it first. The month of October is everything for Rutgers. Uh, Michigan State at home, homecoming at Northwestern, open date at Illinois. you got to get two of those. You might have to get all three. I think that is the month that will define this record season. I think that by the end of October, we will have a very good idea. I think by the end of October, they've got to have five wins. If they don't have five wins, they're not going to a bowl game. But then you've got Wisconsin, Indiana, Penn State before you finish the year at Maryland. So, I, you know, I don't know. I think we're going to do record predictions later on. But, I, I look, there's a path to six wins, but it's tough. And it's almost like, uh, you know, electoral college night, you know, election night. Like, if you lose – you have to beat Syracuse. If you lose Syracuse, you're not out of it. But – you got to really kind of thread the needle at that point. So I think non-conference, you got to go three and zero, and then after that, I think that October is critical. You know, if you can get it somehow, if you can sweep October and get it done, then you know, hey, then you can start. Then you've got it, and you can start wondering about can you kind of backdoor your way into like a Florida bowl game. But they've got to have at least five by uh, November first. County votes in Waukesha County, Wisconsin. Sorry, do you, do you see anything, any other games that, that Cratch is missing in his, uh, in his analysis? Yeah, I'm the eternal optimist, and but, I mean, obviously they have to win the, the three non-conference games. But that, that's given. But then Michigan State, home, mm-hmm. at Illinois, again, they might be better, but, you know, they might, you know I, I, I think it's winnable. And then in the Maryland, to end, end the season, that's six right there. Um, right. I, 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 I've been doing this for a long time. I can only remember a few years where everything broke right yep. and they won every game that, you know, was winnable that they, they you know, it was two, 2014 was the last time that happened. Yeah, right. Absolutely. And, uh, it never works out that way. It just never does. And you always have to keep in mind that, well, you know, there, there, there are two, three, uh, three bows, those like us who are on a Illinois, uh, football, you know, who cover Illinois on a podcast right now, they're talking about, Oh, Rutgers is winnable. So, you know, I, that's I, the I name of that's the name of the uh, Illinois podcast, by the way. Three bozos <laughs> from <laughs> Illinois. That's the name <laughs> of the podcast. It's really, real, it's, real quick. How, I, how did you I, know that? I was gonna say real quick. I think since <laughs> like. Plenty went on vacation. I think there's been like three new Rutgers podcasts launched. That's true. I know there's so many. No, that I, is the, true. The Levy's got one. Yeah. And while we're on the topic, Sarge, I hate to say this, and I, I don't want to bring this up again, but. Um, you know, the guys from the other podcast were pretty angry that you mispronounced Davey's name. I just want to say that, okay? John, John and Davey, their podcast, he, they, were pretty, they were pretty angry wow. that you murdered his name. Just go throw that out there, okay? Completely fair. Just be, be more careful. See if you can get the pronunciation right next time. Okay? Uh, well, what's Danny, Danny uh, Breslauer's uh, last name again? I mean, didn't you I, I'm pretty sure it's I'm pretty sure it's Dave, but <laughs> Dave Breslauer, you sure? I'm pretty sure it's Dave. <laughs> uh, it's Danny? Really? Who? Hmm. It's right, Danny. Anyway. You've known the guy for really, um, like 30 years. I mean, you, you know, come on. Can you get it right? Okay. All right, next question. The current recruiting class is very good. We all know this is subject to change until the ink is dry on signing day. How well does Rutgers have to do in order to retain almost all of the top commits? Is it a number of wins, being in bigger games? 
I mean, I guess there's so many variables now, guys, and I don't know how much, you know, just the changing landscape, if, if we're going to see a different thing going on with NIL. I mean, is, is that going to be a, a factor now for, for, for players? I mean, Crutch, is there a number, you think, or is it more than that to keep this recruiting class together? You know, it's tough because this is a – if you think about it, this is a recruiting class that basically everyone committed without having ever met Greg Schiano in person or any of his assistants or having been to the campus. So I tend to think that if you're willing to make a, a commitment, like having never been to the place or met anyone, that maybe, you know, you're not going to be sitting there discerning, oh, they had three wins, four wins, only lost Ohio State by five touchdowns as opposed to two, four. I, I don't know if that necessarily makes as much of an impact in 2021. I do think that they definitely need to be competitive. I know that's kind of a nebulous term, but I think as long as they win four games and they're in a couple other games and they don't lose 78 nothing to someone i think they're going to be fine keeping this class together and look yes decommitments happen but i think the the thing that has to kind of give rutgers fans solace is if a kid decommits from rutgers greg shiano is going to go be competitive to flip someone else's recruit and bring them into the class it's not going to be like the prior regime where a kid would decommit and all of a sudden you're just grabbing names you've never heard of at the end uh, another good one, the Scarlet's website shows low availability for most for the game uh, with only single seats available and no availability for other sections. Will this be an announced sellout? Sarge, with the rain, what do you think? Is this going to be one of those okay, I mean, special I, sellouts? I, 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 I asked the big guy. I asked Greg Ciano. You asked the big guy himself. Huh? Press conference. What did he say? Yeah. It better be Sarge is what he said. So. It better be. Wow. Putting, putting that right on the, tic- so, the ticket office. Really just, didn't give yeah. any information, but yeah, yeah well, my sources tell, tell me there's com- they're confident that, you know, over 45. So, okay. you know, look, the weather could always be a factor, but I do yeah. think that it's going to clear out. It might be a little windy, but, you know, every, you know there's some confidence that it's going to be over 45. I, I'm, I'm, and not over 45 people. I'm talking about over 45,000. <laughs> right. I think this, this might be I, – I, I looked on StubHub, and it did seem like there were a good amount of tickets there. So I'm wondering if this is going to be a classic paid attendance versus yeah, actual right. attendance situation. Right. Yeah, that I'm sure they. Yeah, there have been incidences of them uh, giving away lots of tickets. I'm guessing it's going to be one of those deals. Uh, all right, a very general question for what is the overall health of the team? Who is out? Who is limited? I mean, decent, right, Cratch? Yeah, they're pretty healthy, you know, as far as we can tell and everything. You know, obviously, Greg said at his press conference on Monday, Patrice Renee is out, which we discussed a little bit earlier. But, no, they're, you know, knock on wood, they're, they're very healthy, um, about as healthy as, as I think as you can be going into week one. All right. Uh, and I guess that's really all the good ones I have here. Uh, plenty of other questions, but we want to get into predictions and we're only already longer than we normally do. So let me uh, thank you guys for, for offering up questions for Rutgers Insider. Please do each week of the season. We uh, really love your feedback and you guys have great topics that are in our topics half the time. So, all right, Temple Preview. Um, what do we know about Temple, Cratch? I mean, other than you fired the head coach already. Um, <laughs> Is there anything? Really nice guy, by the way. I talked to him on the uh, on on the Zoom press conference yesterday. He name dropped me and he name you know, dropped you. Any any time a coach name dropped, Greg Schiano name dropped me twice and name dropped Cratch. That that goes a long way. So yeah, yeah. I, so, I, I think Rod Carey. You know, I, I think Cratch really needs to lay off on him. Yeah, come on. What? Come on. I, I never said he wasn't a nice guy, and I think Rod Carey is a really good football coach. I just don't think he's a good football coach in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Right. You okay. know, that's the thing. Like, I think. He, you know, he, he'll probably get it. Look, it seems like he's not going to get fired this year. Pete Thamel did his excellent annual hot seat roundup. It sounds like $8 million buyout. They don't have that cash, so he's going to be yeah. there for another year or two probably. But, no, I think he's a guy who will probably bounce back, get a MAC job, and, you know, he'll have a team win the MAC title and be in, you know, New Year's Six contention before you know it. I just think that, you know, Rutgers kind of got lucky because you look at, you know, out, out Al Golden to Matt Rule to Jeff Collins, Manny Diaz probably would have been that same thing, you know, kind of like a little gnat nipping at your heels, you know, that could get competitive for a kid or two you want in South Jersey. Fran Um, Brown would be the same thing. Fran Brown would be the same thing. It's like when when there is a coaching change, you know, half the Rutgers coaching staff is going to be a mix for that job. But I think they're going to get lucky that, you know, they probably never thought about this, but they're going to get a little runway to build the records program while Temple is on the decline. Cause I just don't yeah. think, I just don't think the trajectory is good there. Um, 
DeJuan Mathis, tr- Georgia transfer, dual threat quarterback, a guy who started for Georgia opener, uh, really struggled, wasn't the, the quarterback there long. They running back by committee. It sounds like Iverson he, Clement is not with the program yeah. at the time. Mathis got hurt. I mean, you know, you know, he had a head injury, but he did start at one point, and now he's healthy. So, you know, I think you're minimizing. You know, we completed like forty you percent know. of his passes, and but anyway, that's... three bozos from Philadelphia podcasters. They're really not going like, to like listening to this. Uh, all right, so just predictions, guys. I mean, give me a score. I, before first, I should ask: Do you anybody remember who won last year? Who won? Who was the who won the predictions last year? Anybody got that? I believe that was uh, you, Steve. Yeah, it was me. That's right, Cratch. Yeah, I went seven and two. Only uh, four or five against the spread, but neither of you did any better than that. Weren't you uh, like twelve and zero the year before? I, <laughs> it might have been. Yeah. Well, that was easy though. God, after a certain point. I mean, geez. <laughs> um, I mean, good grief. Uh, they ended with both of you and Fonseca picking Rutgers to beat Nebraska. I do remember that. Um, so uh, not a good showing. But either one of you, you have to redeem yourself because certainly you don't want that to happen again. So get off to a good start. All right, Sarge, pick this game. The spread is 13 and a half points. Do I have that right? 13 and a half? Yeah. All right. Um, give, me your, give me your pick. Mm, Rutgers won't, won't cover. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Nope. I think Rutgers wins, and I think it's going to be low, lower scoring than a lot of people think. Um, okay. The weather might even you know, be a factor with the wind. Um, 20 to 10. 20 to 10? All right. A, a tempo uh, cover? What do you think there, um, Cratch? I do think Rutgers will cover um, 13 and a half. It's not that big of a line. I think it's not going to exactly be like a attractive win, you know, but I think it will be, could be a little ugly. Uh, weather could be a factor. I will go with Rutgers 29, 13. I think Rutgers, you know, Temple was not a great kick coverage team last year. So I think there's a chance that, you know, Aaron Cruikshank, Bo Melton, mm-hmm. someone could break one, you know, I expect the special teams or defensive score mixed in there to make the, the margin a little bit wider than maybe the, the on-field play uh, shows. But I would say 29, 13, Rutgers covers by a hair and moves on to Syracuse. All right. I think this is going to be easier than either one of you think. Uh, it, it's just uh, what we talked about at the beginning of the podcast, the better athletes, the better playmakers. Even if the offense is not in sync, I think you're going to see an example of a Pacheco big run or uh, a, a long, long one broken for a touchdown in this game against a team that will have less overall speed. So I'm going to go 35 to 10 Rutgers victory. We'll see who gets that. All right, season predictions now. Now let's really do it now. We, we have we, we, everyone, and we all have records going one and all this week. What do you have for the entire season? Cratch, you want to go first? I will go first. Uh, mm-hmm. My official uh, 2021 Rutgers season prediction. I will go four and eight overall. Wow. Two and seven in the Big Ten. I, I you know, I, I just, I never thought this was a bowl team going into the season. You know, uh, what I saw training camp, I just think they're, they've got some ways to go still. I think that Syracuse game is uh, tough. Um, I'm going to give them the loss at Syracuse. I think they, you know, I've said it many times. I just don't see them being competitive with Michigan this year, you know, after last year's game, I think they'll, they'll get to three and three. They'll beat Michigan state on homecoming to kind of stabilize things a little bit. But I think, you know, they're going to lose at Northwestern. They're going to lose at Illinois. Those are two tough places to go in and win two teams. I think are better than Rutgers. And then after that, you got, I got the traditional brutal November. I, I do think they'll finish the season strong. Uh, whether Maryland is bowl eligible or not, I think that Rutgers is better coached than Maryland, and that'll be a game where they'll kind of rally. That'll be their bowl game at the end of the year at home. They'll beat Maryland, you know, keep that, you know, pseudo-rivalry building. Uh, you know, I, I could see them winning at Syracuse, but then losing to Michigan State at home, you know, something like that. Uh, you could probably swap a lot of different results in games, but I think this is a 4-8 and eight team that is – improved from last year but you know i think we might find out that maybe covid was a feature of rutgers surprise success last year not a bug that they were the only people on campus and they were disciplined and they were well coached and they were able to kind of weather storms that other teams couldn't but i will say four and eight two and seven in the big ten Cratch just went from like the hero of, uh, on on the message boards for going to kentucky and writing that lovely gavin winstead feature to screw cratch that doesn't know anything <laughs> Idiot. All right. Um, Sarge, you're going to go higher than four and eight. What do you got? You yeah. usually, usually go the high level. So I do. Um, I'm right. trying to get to six. 
And oh, get the six. Come on, you're gonna get six. You, yeah, you, you want me to get the six? I don't want, I'm not gonna talk you in anything. I'm just like, then you'll blame me when you're wrong. So, come on, what do yeah. you, you I thought Sarge would be at nine. <laughs> what was that year? What year was I, I, it? You're year? trying to get me the six. I'm gonna go seven. No, 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 no. I, I, I'm not gonna go seven. Do I hear eight? I, 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 I do think five and seven is probably, is probably the ceiling. Um, and the good news is, you know, in, in this day of age, maybe five and seven does get to, uh, you to a bowl because of the lack mm-hmm. of teams and. You know, their APR is a little bit better. I don't know if they win all three non-conference games. Uh, yeah, again, we talked about Syracuse. You know, talk to me. Next week is going to be an interesting pod to, to kind of break down what what we saw out of those two teams. Um, you know, Illinois might be better. You know, that, that, that kind of concerns me. They, they haven't had a whole lot of success with Illinois in the last couple of years when both teams were, you know, seemingly on, on, on an even playing field. Um, I, I, I'm going to go a bold prediction. I okay. think this might be the year where they beat Penn State. And the only reason why, wow. and again, I, again, I could look like a complete, you know, bozo. I could be on the Illinois Bozo podcast come next week. But um, I, I, when I saw – there's little things. But when I saw James Franklin not release his – the game, yeah, not release his depth chart, that is a guy who is really, that would, you know – We need Gun Levy to Oprah the depth chart. Where is When that happened, that was – Right. Holy cow! So yeah. embarrassing. It is embarrassing. Come on. I think this joke. is the year where, where you know, you know, if everything breaks right, Rutgers going to have you know some some uh, you know depth to to be a little bit better in November. You know, I think this could be the year where where, where they go to Penn State and 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 pull off the shocker. Yeah, I just wish that game. That, yeah, I would agree with you. If that game were earlier in the season, I'm not sure. But late in the season, if you, yeah, it's just a different. It's a different story, though. The biggest thing I think for Rutgers this season is that. Noah Vedrill has a lot of pressure on him. One, the guy's got to stay healthy because, you know, with Art leaving, uh, we, we not to keep going back to the Art thing, you've got Cole Snyder who's thrown two passes in his career. You've got Evan Simon who's thrown none. You've got Johnny Langan who I think they clearly do not see as a long-term quarterback option. Uh, so, you know, there's not much behind Noah, and I think Noah has to take a step forward yeah. or two steps forward for this team to be a bowl team. Uh, unfortunately, I'm with you, Sarge, on my pick. I think five and seven is the record. Uh, I do see this, though, and this is what I think. It, 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 you can have a good five and seven, if that makes any sense. Uh, I think five and seven is what they need to keep the momentum going as a program, and I think they're going to win a game. This is the, the bigger thing than, than playing in the Fort Worth Bowl that ruins our holidays, uh, is you know, they're going to be five and seven with a win that they didn't expect. But of, of course, the flip side of that is that there's going to be a loss in there that they also didn't expect. So I think that you're going to get, you know, you're going to steal one of these games finally that, that people uh, that, you know, I can't tell you which one. I don't know. It's a long season. A lot of different things can happen. But I do think they're going to win a game that they're going to be underdogs in. But uh, like we talked about earlier, it's just impossible to have everything go your way. There's going to be a game in this as well where uh, it's, not, uh, it's not the optimal outcome. All right, fellas, that is our longest podcast of all time. Can we can sign you, off here? Predict, Any final thoughts? Can you predict? Can you predict Penn State, Polity? I mean, can you can. Know, predict this November, November twentieth. I'm gonna make a bold prediction. If they steal one, it, it'll be either Wisconsin at home because Wisconsin's coming off the Iowa game. It'll probably be for the yep. Big Ten West title. Wow. Or I would say Indiana at, at Indiana, I just because I think I, I think Indiana, it, they're a good, really good team. That Might schedule is brutal. They're going to be seven and five. They're going to regress to the mean, and I think that's a yep. game you can seal because it's not. You know, yeah, it's, of it's basketball season by that point. It's, it's not like they're going to be a crazy atmosphere in Bloomington. Right. This will come as no surprise to you, but I have no no qualms about going to Indianapolis for that game. So. That little well, champagne. Oh. We're gonna fly to Indy. That's it, it, true. It like that is a great point. To, to Indianapolis. Uh, if you could drug me, if you could just drug me and put me in the back of the rental car to get to Champagne, I will. I'll. I'll. I'll consider doing that. If you just, you know, maybe a couple. It's too early. What time is that game? Too early for a couple martinis to make the drive to. Uh, yeah, to well, uh, maybe Crash can bring his, his his Kentucky bourbon. Maybe he can. Uh, there you, you go. Know, good. Good job making this full circle. All right, let's sign off there enjoyed it thanks for listening we'll be back next week to break it all down after the temple game thank you for listening to the Rutgers rant to participate in the conversation and receive live updates about the scarlet knights directly to your phone sign up at nj.com slash insider